1: What is up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today I had an awesome discussion with Maddie Alm, who is a registered dietitian and has her own practice called Fueling Forward. She is also a professional runner for Team Boss in Boulder, Colorado. and She ran for the University of Colorado as well and was an All-American there. She has a lot of good insights, she works with a bunch of pro runners, and I thought I would bring her on just to kind of answer your guys' questions about nutrition, kind of disprove some myths out there about nutrition, and yeah, this episode is basically a Q&A with all of your questions that you guys asked on the combos Over Cold Brew pod Instagram, so I'm excited to answer all of your guys' questions, and let's get straight into the episode! Maddie, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Um, Can we get a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what you're about?
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, My name is Maddie. I am from Colorado. I ran for the University of Colorado Boulder um, and was All American in the 1500 there. And then I went on to pursue a career in nutrition. So I got my master's at San Diego State and finished my supervised practice in Nashville. Um and then moved back to Boulder last year where I'm training with Team Boss and started my own nutrition consulting business called Fueling Forward.
1: Awesome. And how long did the like whole process take you to be you're a registered dietitian, right? Yes, I am. How long did that whole process take you?
2: Oh gosh. So I was in school for a total of eight years, but I took five years in undergrad to continue running. Um, so yeah, about eight years. <laughs>
1: Man. Well, I'm sure it's really rewarding now to have your own practice. Is that what you're doing full-time?
2: Yeah. So I'm doing that and then running as well. So between those two things, um, I'm actually also coaching at my high school, which is really fun. So um, yeah, I'm staying busy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Is it um, interesting being like uh, someone that people turn to for nutrition advice, especially like professional runners when you are one yourself?
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, that's how I got into nutrition in the first place was being a runner myself. So I find that it's pretty easy for me to empathize with them and really understand the barriers that runners have to nutrition. So I think, you know, it gives me a unique insight and and helps me um, have more effective ways to help people, I think.
1: Definitely. And I feel like people, runners at least, I don't know, nutrition is so specific to each sport. So it's yeah. nice to have someone to turn to that especially ran at the level that you're running at right now, who directly relates to it. um, I think it's really helpful for people to be able to turn to someone like that. So for sure. Yeah. Um, So basically, for this podcast, I asked you guys on the combos over cold brew Instagram to if you had any questions that you wanted me to ask Maddie today. And guys, I got an overwhelming amount of questions i've literally i don't think i've ever received this many questions so i'm excited wow. that you guys are excited um uh, for these questions to get answered so i just wrote down some of the most common ones or some of the most like ones that i thought were relevant to most female distance runners which is basically the people that listen to this podcast so i'm just gonna ask maddie the questions and we're just gonna go through them answer them and get the answers that you guys want so um the first and I think the most popular question I got was how much do I eat in a day as a female <laughs> distance runner.
2: That is a great question and absolutely the most common one that I get. Uh, unfortunately my answer to that is it really depends on the person. So how much you need in a day is going to depend on what your training looks like, how big you are, how much you weigh, how tall you are, um you know what if you're doubling, if you're lifting, um, all those things are going to play into your nutrition. And so there's really not a one size fits all answer, which I know is not what people want to hear. Um, But I will say 90% of the time I find that runners are not eating enough. Um, And I think typically people are surprised with how many calories, how many grams of carbs, protein, all of that they need in a day.
1: Yeah. And I mean, kind of backing off of uh, that question, <laughs> the next question I was going to ask you is how How do you know if you're eating enough?
2: Uh-huh. Great question. So <laughs> um, again, another really common one that I get. And I would say the best way to know if you're fueling properly is to look for signs of underfueling. So for example, the top three that I would look for is anything like extreme fatigue. So if you're really struggling, for example, to stay awake in classes or during the day, um, if you feel like after your runs, anything else during the day, like going up a flight of stairs or walking from your car, just takes so much energy, um, that's a good indicator that you're probably not getting enough to eat. Um, Another one is that you're not recovering well between sessions. So if you find that, you know, you do a long run on Sunday and you're really sore, Monday and Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday, um, that kind of soreness shouldn't linger that long. So that's another way to know that you're probably not getting enough to eat there. Um, And then lastly, how you're feeling in training. Like if you've been doing really well and then all of a sudden you're struggling to get through workouts that you've done in the past, um, that can show you that maybe you're, you're missing something there
1: from the fueling side. In terms of, like, fatigue, like, how do you know it's, like, an abnormal amount, and how do you know that it's due to nutrition? Is it kind of, like, trial and error, or is it, like, what are you, what yeah. are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, that's that's a good question, too, because it you can be tired for a lot of different reasons, obviously, if you didn't get enough sleep, or <clears throat> you have, like, a stressful exam in school, or, you know, something else going on in your life. Um, a lot of things can make you tired, but I think, you know the best way to know that it's not normal, like you said, is it's just really hard to get through the day, really hard to concentrate. Um, You just feel, you know, that feeling like this is how I'd always feel in high school after practice. I'd come home from school and like it was everything in me to lay on the couch and wait for my mom to say dinner was ready. Um, That kind of feeling (laughs) is not a normal kind of fatigue if you're experiencing that a lot and often throughout the day. Um, And if it lingers beyond eating, that kind of thing, um, you know, that is abnormal. And the way that you would know if, if fueling is going to help that is like you said, trial and error. So I always recommend like start with eating more carbohydrates. Those are typically, if you're low on carbohydrates, you're going to be low on energy. So, you know, if you start eating more carbohydrates, a lot of times within 24 to 48 hours, that energy will go up immediately. So that's a good way and a quick way to find out if there's some underfueling contributing to feeling fatigued.
1: Yeah. And then uh, some people asked about overeating, like they're afraid of overeating and how they know if they're overeating. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. So I will say, I don't think there are really any distance runners that overeat. That's probably, (laughs) I can Feel pretty confident saying that. Um but you know it's it's more than just how much you're eating. It's how much of the right things are you eating. So I think the way to know that you're overeating is if you finish a meal and you're uncomfortably full and you like can't move the rest of the day, um, you know, that probably indicates that you ate a little bit too much at that meal. Um, but on a daily basis, you know, at the end of the day, it's pretty rare for distance runners to be above their needs in any form.
1: Yeah. And I know some runners are looking to gain weight as well. Maybe they found themselves under eating for a certain amount of time and maybe their doctors are telling them they need to eat more and Mm -hmm. they feel really uncomfortably full when they eat. Do you have any tips for people that are looking to gain weight, Um, maybe coming from a more restrictive past or someone that just unintentionally lost weight just due to the amount they're running?
2: Yeah, definitely. So it's actually really common to experience that feeling of fullness earlier on in your meals. If you're coming back from some type of restrictive history, um, your body basically just isn't used to having all of that fuel on board. And so it's kind of getting mixed signals. It's a little bit confused and it can take a little while for it to kind of get back to a normal place where you can eat a full meal and feel comfortable So my recommendation is always just to start with small meals throughout the day. So instead of trying to eat three big meals, maybe break it up into five or six meals throughout the day, Um, just smaller quantity, but still the same amount of nutrients at the end of the day and see if that helps um, with the discomfort.
1: Another question that I had, um, is on the topic of calories and macros. Mm -hmm. Do you think runners should track their calories or try to hit certain macronutrient levels? What are your thoughts on that? Or keeping like a food diary that was asked as well.
2: Yeah. So again, to me, it really depends on why you're doing it. I think a lot of times with distance runners, I see, I think this is just common for all distance runners. A lot of us have that kind of obsessive personality trait where, you know, we're always thinking about training, tracking mileage, tracking data. And if you're using it as another way to try to control your performance, I think that's a slippery slope. Um, I think it can become a dangerous obsession if you're tracking every little thing. I think if you're struggling and you're trying to figure out why and you want to look at your diet for starters, I think it's okay to kind of look at a day or a day here and there, but I don't think it's necessary to do this on a daily basis because like I said, it can really become an obsession and people tend to get really fixated on the numbers and they're like, oh my gosh, I've already hit my calorie needs for the day, but I'm still hungry. I guess I can't eat anymore. And, you know, only your body knows what it needs in a day. So that's where I have issues with some of those trackers because they tell you what your needs are, but they may or may not be accurate. So I think, like I said, it just depends on why you're doing it, but I typically don't recommend it.
1: Yeah, I think, I don't know, it's just really important to listen to your body. I mean, your body, when it tells you something, it's usually not wrong. So I think going against those body signals usually isn't the best idea. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So how, how do you get out of like the restrictive mindset as an athlete? That's a good
2: question. Um, I think it also depends on how you got there in the first place. So if your goal was to lose weight to get faster or something like that, I think the first step is kind of educating yourself and realizing that that isn't the answer Um, and trying to improve your relationship with food to see that it's a tool for performance rather than something that's going to hurt your performance or make you worse Um, because there really is no shortcuts when it comes to fueling. You can't, you know, you can't avoid eating or limit your food intake because that's really going to impact your performance over time. So if you're coming from a restrictive past, I think it's really important to understand why it's so important that you're fueling your body properly and how that is going to have a positive impact on your performance rather than looking at it from how is eating this much going to negatively impact me.
1: And what would you say are like some long-term consequences of underfueling as an athlete?
2: That's a great question. So uh have you ever heard of RED-S? That's kind of Mary
1: Kane has talked about this a little bit. Yes, that was another question that was on the on the list um, oh, how perfect. to prevent and treat it. So, perfect. but if you could exp- if you could explain it that would be great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, that stands for relative energy deficiency in sport syndrome. Energy being calories. So, basically, if over time you're not getting your body the energy that it needs to sustain your training, um, your body's going to have to find another way to get that energy. So what starts happening is your body's going to break down all of your fat stores. It's actually going to start breaking down muscle to use for fuel. So you're going to see some muscle loss. Um, it's That's going to impact your hormone levels. Your body starts taking nutrients away from your bones. So you start to see some bone density loss. Um, loss of a menstrual cycle is a big red flag for female athletes. That's something that's not normal. So, you know, there are a lot of long-term, really dentri- detrimental impacts that underfueling can have, and that's what I always try to emphasize is, you know, it's not just about how well can I perform right now if I don't eat enough. It's what am I doing to my body long-term beyond the sport of running if I don't fuel myself properly.
1: Yeah, definitely, and for someone that has lost their period... Um... Due to something like this, how would you recommend they get their period back?
2: Yeah, so I always recommend starting with you know seeing a doctor or somebody who can figure out if there's something else going on because sometimes it can be um, something other than fueling. But typically, it's a combination of overtraining and underfueling that puts your body in a place where it doesn't have the energy that it needs. And so, if you're not in a healthy place, your body's not going to have you have your period because Basically, at that time, you're going to be infertile. That's essentially what it means. And so your body's not in a healthy place where it could support a baby or, you know, really healthy hormone function. And so it's going to shut that down. So typically, I recommend talking to your coach, as hard as that can be sometimes, talking to the trainer, team doctors, and really trying to figure out what caused this to happen Um, And then from there, usually it's a combination of increasing calories, maybe healthy fat in the diet, backing off of mileage a little bit, and sometimes it just takes time for it to come back, and that can be kind of frustrating, Um, and sometimes you'll have weight fluctuations which can also be frustrating, but at the end of the day, you know, if you don't have your period, that's not a good thing, and we want to do anything we can to get back to a healthy place.
1: How many missed periods would you say is is it like becoming a problem? Would you say like, say someone gets their period like six months in a row, and then they lose it for one or two months, and then they get it back again? Is that something of concern? Or is it like six plus months, you're not getting your period is something that you should worry about? What would you say like the, you know, red yeah. flag time period is?
2: Yeah, so honestly, it's it's one to two. Um, It's not normal to lose your period at all. And this is something that is hard because a lot of doctors will say, Oh, you're just really active. It's normal that you've lost your period. Um, and that's actually a really old school way of thinking. That's really not true. And anytime there's a disturbance in your period, even if it's, you know, late by a week or it's lighter than usual or it's fewer days than usual, um, that can tell us that there's something going on in your body that's not right. And so it's important to, you know, really honestly track your cycle, especially when you're training hard, to make sure that your body is getting the nutrients that it needs, that you're not overtraining or overreaching, um, and you know you're in a healthy place because that's really the first thing that's a that's a first sign of red s typically is you know something starts to go wrong with your period for female athletes.
1: Yeah, and I mean I always recommend like you said going to talk to your coach. You said it was really hard, but it is a conversation it's a conversation that needs to be had, yeah. I think. Honestly, a lot more than it is.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um I know and especially if you have maybe like a male coach it might be mm-hmm. more uncomfortable, but maybe you have like a female assistant or a female trainer that you can talk to. Um or just going to see a doctor on this topic I think is really helpful just to kind of like diagnose it because for some for someone like me I went to so many gynecologists because I had amenorrhea for basically my whole life yeah. um, and but it's but it's so different for every circumstance I mean my okay. my story was very different than a lot of other people so I always recommend going to see talking to someone about this other than like maybe your teammates but even right. that's not talked about very often within your teammates, I feel like.
2: No, you're right. And I think that's a big thing for females in sport is, you know, we have a really, there's a lack of representation of females in coaching. And because of that, I think a lot of these topics never get talked about. It's really hard for male coaches to talk to young female runners about weight, about menstrual cycles. Um, and it's it's so important, though, because it tells us, and it really sets you up for, health for the rest of your life. And so I think you're absolutely right. It's something that needs to be talked about more often. And it shouldn't be as hard as it is to talk about it, for sure.
1: Yeah. Would you say... Did you have, like, open conversations about it on your team in college? Or was it kind of more, like, kind of a taboo topic? Like, people weren't really bringing it up that often?
2: I don't think we ever talked about it in college. It wasn't necessarily taboo, but just nobody brought it up. I mean, I never really heard anything about it um from coaches or trainers or even teammates we just didn't really talk about it
1: yeah same here I don't know why obviously we were all going through it um right and I would like hear about it every once in a while but it was definitely not talked about enough or like addressed enough I think definitely um, as it should be and yeah I don't know I think just like opening up the conversation a little more even just between teammates even though it's like a weird topic to talk about, but I think right. just kind of normalizing it. And, yeah,
2: exactly. Everyone well, gets their period. Every, like, half of the world is a female that gets their period. It shouldn't be as hard as it is, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why it's such a weird topic for people to talk about.
1: Yeah. So normalize talking about your periods on your team on your little long run. <laughs> Let's <laughs> do it. Um, okay. Well, how, okay. So, uh, next question. Yeah. <laughs> How important is it to eat within 30 minutes of a workout? And what should you eat within 30 minutes of a workout, if you should?
2: Yeah, so the 30 minutes, you know, within 30 minutes of a workout um, is kind of, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. Ideally, it's within an hour. But the closer to the workout, the better. Because what's happening after you're done working out is your body's basically ready to take in nutrients and use them super efficiently. Your heart rate is higher the hormones in your body are the perfect level to take in and store those nutrients where they need to go. And you're going to recover a lot faster if you get nutrients after your workout. So the focus should be on getting both carbs and protein. A lot of times I see athletes saying, well, I had a, you know, I had protein powder mixed with water, which is great. You know, you do need protein, but for runners, you absolutely need carbs as well because you've completely, you know, depleted your energy stores during your run. And in order to restore those, you have to take in some carbohydrates. So a good rule of thumb is a three to one ratio of carbs to protein. So for example, a 60 gram, 60 grams of carbohydrates and 20 grams of protein, that's a three to one ratio. Um, that's a good like rule of thumb when you're looking for something to have after a
1: workout. What would you say is like a good example of uh, something with that ratio that someone can grab like super quick right yeah. after their workout?
2: So a lot of times, um, well, chocolate milk actually is a really good example of that. It naturally has about a three to one ratio of carbs to protein. Um, but I like to do something, I'll do chocolate milk and I'll blend it with a frozen banana, which has carbohydrates and a little bit of like collagen or protein powder to add more protein to it. Um, that's really, that's a good one, but not super easy if you're, you know, running to the weight room. So anytime you can do like a protein shake and a banana or, you know, a protein bar with a piece of fruit, that's a good way to get both carbs and protein pretty easily after a workout.
1: The, the protein shake and a banana was literally my my post-workout snack every single day after college. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So what can I say? You know, I'm on my FitSpoke. Yeah, you were, you were ahead of the game. <laughs> Recovering. Um, what if you're not hungry? Because I know a lot of people... I never had this problem because I'm always hungry, but <laughs> a lot of people... Like, running is kind of an appetite suppressant because it's just yeah. so hard with, like, the jarring impact and stuff on the stomach. It's kind of a harsh sport for the stomach. So a lot of people whether that be like hard workouts or some even easy runs, like people aren't hungry after they work out, should Mm -hmm. they eat? What are your thoughts?
2: Yes. So you always want to eat even if you don't feel hungry. And it's like you said, it's really common not to feel hungry after, especially after a hard session Um, and especially now in the summer in the heat, both the heat and hard workouts suppress your appetite. So that kind of works against you when you really need to get nutrients in to recover better. But in that case, I usually recommend doing liquid calories because it's a lot easier just to drink something than it is to force yourself to eat something. So that would be a great time for a smoothie, a a chocolate milk, you know, the shake we just talked about, those kinds of things. If you're really struggling after a workout, try to look for something like liquid calories. That tends to be easier to get in. And then once you have that, usually your appetite will come back and then you can eat a better, more substantial meal.
1: Yeah, my go-to would be like a, the protein shake, the banana, and then maybe an hour later when I got home after like lifting weights or going to class, I would have a giant lunch. So it was, it was a good, it was a good little, like, you know, it held me over. I wasn't super hungry after my workout, but then you're hungry enough to like eat a big meal later that provides you with like all the nutrients that your body is craving at that time.
2: Yes, exactly. And like I like how you had that before weights because that's a big thing that I didn't mention. If you're you know an athlete where you work out and then lift immediately after, you definitely want to have something in between the run and weights. Um, typically, your energy is going to be pretty low, and it's going to be really hard to get through that weight session and actually get the most from it. I know in college, I think before we had a dietitian at our school. I didn't know anything about nutrition and I would just go from the run to weights and I would be so tired and I was like, oh, this is normal because we just had a hard workout. And now I always have something between a run and weights and it's a huge difference. I can lift more, my form's better, I'm gaining more from lifting. So yeah, definitely an important thing to remember is something in between.
1: Yeah, my, like, least favorite thing was feeling famished after my run and then having to, like, lift heavy things and feeling so weak. (laughs) It's the worst. Yeah, and I I really, like, noticed a difference just in my quality of lifts and I just felt like my body was, like, processing. Like, it just felt like true fuel, you know, When when I would eat my little protein shake and banana after because it was, like, just finished a run, you know. Like, I want my muscles to recover and then, you know, going to lift and then eating a big meal after. Like, I felt like I was just literally fueling my body. Like, there was nothing better than just feeling properly fueled for all of, <laughs> your, like, your hard workouts. Exactly.
2: So, Huge yeah. difference.
1: Yeah. If you're feeling weak, like, I don't know, maybe, like, yeah, like you said, you're lifting <laughs> after you run. Try try eating a little snack. It really makes a difference. Definitely. Coming from, coming from personal experience. So. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> um, so what do you – what do you recommend eating before you run?
2: Yeah, so before runs, you really want to focus on something that's high in carbohydrates, and low or moderate in protein, low in fat and fiber. And the reason for that is when you're running, your body's going to be using carbohydrates for fuel. So before the run, the best way to fuel for the run is top off those energy stores with carbohydrates. So you know, a lot of times people look to things like oatmeal, which if you tolerate that well, that's great, but that is a pretty high fiber food. So yeah. things like white bread or white bagels, bananas, um, toaster waffles with maple syrup, those are all really easy to digest high carb foods that will really fuel you well for your workout.
1: Definitely. And I feel like it took me a couple of years, like I always recommend oatmeal but that's just because after like it took me a couple years to get used to it because it is a pretty heavy right breakfast, and I definitely need like at least an hour to, oh, totally to digest that like I cannot eat a big bowl of oatmeal and then go run because yeah. it's too heavy on the stomach
2: yeah so, exactly
1: someone asked like if you run early in the morning say you're running at like 6 30 a.m should mm-hmm. you eat before um and what would you recommend eating before
2: Yeah, so I always recommend eating before runs for a few reasons. One, if you're not eating before your run, your body really has to dig into your glycogen stores, which is how your body stores carbohydrates. Um, And then you're just going to be more depleted after your run. And if you're not fully replenishing that, um, over time it's actually going to make it harder to recover and get those nutrients that you need. So just for one, to keep yourself from becoming too depleted, it's definitely important to have something before your run. And two, having carbs before your run can actually boost your endurance, which is really important, obviously, for distance runners. So um, a lot of times with the early morning runs, I recommend something just really light and easy to digest. So a glass of orange juice. Um, like I really like the Honey Stinger waffles or something like that. Um, any energy chews, you can have a couple of those on your way out the door. Um, sports drink like a Gatorade. So just something that has carbs is definitely better than nothing. And I promise you'll notice a difference, too, on your runs.
1: So what what are your thoughts on carbo-loading before races? Because I know that's very popular, you know, especially with the pasta parties in high school yeah. or pre-race meals, loading up on those breadsticks. <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, always go for the bread when it's on the table. That's my philosophy. Oh, 100%. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so – the carb carb loading is kind of like a old myth. Um, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're always having carbs. I don't think you need to be saving it up for right before a race and then overdoing it the night before and then feeling sick or <laughs> not feeling good in the morning. So, I think it's it's more important to consistently get carbs throughout the week to support your training than it is to save them all up for the end of the week um and try to get them all in before the race, but I mean, you definitely want to have a high carb meal the night before a race, especially if you're running a longer distance. If you're running something like the 1500 and under, honestly, it doesn't really matter um, how many carbs you eat the night before. You know, obviously you want to have some, but carb loading really works more for the longer distances, I guess is how I would say that.
1: Yeah, I think it's just all about kind of finding a meal that works for you and makes you feel good. Exactly. I I definitely, like, you know, with the pasta parties in high school, I would load up on the pasta, the bread, which I loved. But then in college, I learned, I'm like, oh, I guess, yeah, like you said, it's a lot more important to fuel for your runs during the week and just have, like, I don't know, I just liked having a normal meal, basically, before, (laughs) before my races.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I did the same thing in high school. There was always that one kid's mom who made, like, the best mac and cheese ever. And I would have so much of that and then just feel sick. So I think just being (laughs) consistent throughout the week and finding what works for you. Um, I never recommend trying anything new right before a race. So, you know, don't order, I don't know. I think it's, it's nice to find what you know works and what you know is going to settle well before a race and not really, um, try to overdo it on things like the mac and cheese and all that.
1: yeah i remember <laughs> one time my teammate ordered like lobster the oh, night God. before right? she's like i'm like have you ever done that before and she's like no that and is I'm a quick, bold move yeah i was like why would you ever do that we were also in kentucky i'm like where are they getting lobsters oh, here? No.
2: landlocked lobster that is not a good choice before it race.
1: yeah so like you said probably stick with something that you know works for your stomach because a lot of people have sensitive stomachs so exactly. make sure that you can tolerate the food even the night before is very important. Maybe don't try the lobster. Maybe
2: hey, let's stay away from the lobster pre-race.
1: <laughs> um, what is? What are your thoughts on like plant-based or a vegan diet for runners?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question and a really common question that I get. So my answer to that is, you don't have to be vegan or plant-based to be a good athlete. I think that is something that came up with the Game Changers documentary. It made a lot of people feel like, oh, if I don't go vegan, I won't be as good of an athlete as I could be. And that's definitely not true. I think it depends on why you're going vegan. So sometimes I see people choose to go vegan because it's a way to cut out more foods from their diet. And like I've said before, that can be a slippery slope. You know, It's Hard to make you know make sure you're being fueled if your diet is super restrictive. So if it's if it's like a ethical reason, you know that's totally different. But I think it's important to first think about why you're becoming vegan, um, and then from there, the the biggest thing is making sure that your diet is balanced. So going plant based to improve your performance is not going to improve your performance if you're under fueled. That's going to defeat the purpose. So. It's really important to make sure you're finding ways to get those nutrients that you need, because a lot of times when you cut out things like meat, not only are you cutting out a big portion of your protein, but you're also cutting out more calories. And so you have to find a way to replace that. And that typically means eating more food, because the way your body digests and absorbs plant-based nutrients is a lot different. So there's a lot of things to keep in mind, and I, I usually don't recommend trying to go vegan in like on your own in the middle of a season that usually doesn't go well for people. Um, I think it's important to really have a plan to make sure you're fueled and, you know, seek out the help of a dietitian or somebody that can really help you make sure you're getting what you need and you're not missing anything.
1: That was really well said. I feel like I get a lot of DMs just like I have a food account. So I get a lot of DMs yeah. asking this question and I'm not plant-based, I'm not vegan, and I don't have, like, the exact correct answer, but I think what what you said is really well thought out, and I think it's very, it makes a lot of sense, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, but for someone that is going vegan for the right reasons, and they've talked to their doctor and everything, and they they made this this decision how would you recommend they get in their like micronutrients and the macronutrients that they need like like you said they you, you have to take out the, the animal based proteins so they lose a lot of the calories and the nutrients that are in the animal food how would you recommend they kind of replenish those back into their diets with vegan items
2: yeah so i recommend looking for the most whole food based options so a big thing right now is that beyond meat, that kind of like alternative plant-based meat. Um, my big issue with those is that they're so highly processed and the nutrients in them, it's like texturized soy protein and colors and all these weird things. And, you know, that's not really going to get you the nutrients that you need, um, and may even give you unnecessary nutrients. So I think Um, I recommend doing things like making your own black bean burger patties or turning to things like, um, you know, tempeh, which is a fermented soybean, tofu, which is still processed, but it's the only ingredient is soybeans typically. So that tends to be a little bit better, Um, you know, making sure that you're getting protein at every meal and snack Um, typically it's actually, you know, as a vegan, you're going to get a lot of micronutrients because you're only eating plants and plants are going to have a lot of vitamins. So the main thing to look out for would be things like calcium, iron, vitamin D. Those are harder to get from plant-based foods. So I always recommend, you know, if you're going vegan, you want to regularly get your blood checked, make sure that you're not all of a sudden low on iron or anything like that um and you know if you if your doctor recommends it and you really need to adding supplements to make sure that you're not falling behind
1: yeah and i got a question about iron supplement actually i got quite a few questions about iron supplements yeah. do you think female runners should be taking iron supplements or how do you like decipher if that should be a thing
2: yeah so i i always recommend you know first things first get your blood checked um a lot of times athletes are like oh i'm really tired i i'm probably low on iron Sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's something else. Sometimes maybe you're not getting enough carbs. Um, it's not always the iron. And I think, you know, there are people who have a genetic disorder where their iron is abnormally high, and that can cause the same symptoms as low iron. So before you start supplementing with iron, it's really important that you get your blood checked. And what we're really looking at is your ferritin, your hemoglobin, and your hematocrit. So. Um, you know, your ferritin, anything really below 25 for a female runner is too low and you might feel that fatigue. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes, you know, you've never had high iron and that doesn't bother you. But typically we're looking for above 25 for ferritin. Um, But yeah, I think if you get your blood checked, you realize you do need to take an iron supplement um, and you're not getting enough from your food, then yeah, I think it's important to add an iron supplement. But I think if you can get it from your food first, that's going to be ideal.
1: And then what are some of the best anti-inflammatory foods and how, how should you incorporate them into your diet as a runner?
2: Yeah. So anti-inflammatory foods, those are going to be things like any, you know, most plant-based nutrients, vegetables and fruits are going to have a lot of anti-inflammatory nutrients. Um, Those are going to be found in, the color and the skin of the fruits and vegetables. So that's why I always say, you know, make some of your plate color every meal. That's going to be the best way to get anti-inflammatory nutrients. Um, another big one is omega-3s. And those come from things like olive oil, fish, walnuts, peanut butter, that kind of stuff. So um, getting a good balance of protein. So, you know, having fish twice a week is a good way to do that. Um, having trail mix for a snack, that kind of thing. Um, that's a good way to get a good balance of nutrients, including those anti-inflammatory ones.
1: So this girl is living in a college dorm, and I'm sure you probably went through this as well. A lot of college freshmen do. You don't have access to your own kitchen. You're kind of, um, you have like a microwave maybe in your dorm, maybe a fridge, and then you have a meal plan. How would you go about like navigating that to get the healthiest options?
2: Yeah, good question. So, if you have a meal plan and you're able to go to the dorms, chances are there's something in the dorms that you can eat. That's going to be a good option. Um, a good rule of thumb for you know freshmen in college, as you're transitioning from high school to college, I really struggled with this. I was always at the cereal station getting fruit loops <laughs> and cocoa puffs and all that, or then stopping at the ice cream station on my way out. And um, you know, I think it's important to it's. It's really overwhelming at first because it's a big buffet, but just realizing that it's always going to be there and you don't have to eat every single station the first month you're there. You can take your time with it. Um and you'll be glad you did because you get sick of that food really quick. Um but I always recommend just, you know, taking one plate, building your plate like you would at home. So, you know, having some protein, having some color, having some carbs. Sit down with that plate just eat that plate, wait a minute, and if you're still feeling hungry, maybe go back for seconds. But don't, you know, go to the pasta station, fill up a bowl, go to the burrito station, build your own burrito, then hit up the fried chicken <laughs> station. Like, you know, just take it like a normal plate that you would have at home um, and go from there. But if they don't have things, for example, like in the morning, if they're not open before a run that That would be what I'd recommend having in your room is quick snacks or things that you can have like bananas, bread, peanut butter um bars, anything like that that you know if they're not open or you can't get over there for some reason, you still have something to eat um before or after your run,
1: yeah, I always had that oatmeal, that peanut butter in in my yeah. refrigerator ready to go, or like protein shakes, yeah, just like a little little small ones you know midway through the day or before um like class or something that I would snack on just having something handy is really helpful so that you don't go hungry because exactly in college you're walking around so much more too at least I was so I feel like I was just always tired all the time and maybe I was under fueling a little bit with how much my activity level increased just by like walking around campus all day long so always having a snack in my bag super nice super handy um at what point do does race weight matter for elites and college athletes? I know that is kind of a I don't know, a touchy subject, but sure. what what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So race weight is really relative. Um, you know, I get a lot of athletes that are really fixated on their race weight and Weight doesn't really tell the whole story. you know, number on the scale doesn't tell you what your body composition is. It doesn't tell you if you're properly fueled or you know anything like that. And I think it's way more important to pay attention to how you're feeling than it is to pay attention to how much you weigh. Um, you know, I think if you're under fueling, it's gonna be a lot harder to achieve the body composition that you're hoping to achieve and build that muscle mass that's gonna to contribute to making you better and faster. Um and you know, if you see weight loss on the scale and you're not eating enough, chances are that weight is coming from muscle loss and that's not gonna help you with your performance. So I think I don't usually recommend um picking a race weight and trying to get to that because that typically leads to a lot of detrimental side effects um, that actually don't help you with your performance. So I think it's a lot more important to pay attention to how you're feeling making sure that you're staying properly fueled. And, you know, I don't recommend weighing yourself before a race because if you get on the scale and you see a number that's higher than normal, a lot of times that gets into people's heads and then they go to the start line thinking, I'm not ready to race. And then they already set themselves up for a bad race. So, you know, and then other things too, like eating a lot of carbohydrates. So for every gram of carbohydrate that your body stores, it also stores three grams of water. So if you're eating a lot of carbs before a race, your weight can go up by five plus pounds, but that's not a real weight change. That's just a change in water. Um, and that's all going to go away by the end of the race. So I think, you know, there's a lot more than just the number on the scale to consider heading into a race.
1: Yeah, that's a, you put it, perfectly. I think I literally couldn't <laughs> add anything onto that. Um in like talking about my thoughts on race weight, literally you just read my mind. Anything I was going to yeah. add, you said. <laughs> um yeah, just like not fixating on a specific number, I think is really important and not weighing yourself before a race. Yeah. Like you said, your the weight fluctuates so much. It's kind of it doesn't even really make any sense to focus on one specific number because uh, if you wake up the morning of a race and you're a couple pounds heavier, it doesn't really, it doesn't change your fitness level.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an indicator of your fitness and your weight can fluctuate five to 10 pounds in a day, even just from normal things and not a true weight change.
1: Yeah. Focusing on how you feel is by far the most important thing in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, we're going to wrap it up here soon. Okay. Um, How much, someone asked, how much do I eat on off days or when I'm injured?
2: That's a really good question. So off days, if you're in the middle of your season, a lot of times you might find that you feel hungrier. Um, And this, for a few reasons, like we talked about, you might feel less hungry on your hard workout days, which typically means you're not going to eat enough on your hard workout days. So if you're feeling really hungry on an off day or an easy day listen to your body and eat. you know, that's your body's way of saying, "hey, i didn't get enough yesterday. i really need more to make sure that i'm ready to go for the next day." so, you know, listen to your body. don't feel like you can't eat the same or more than you do on a regular day of running, you know, just because it's an off day. um and then if you're injured, staying fueled is so 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 important, and i see this a lot with injured athletes. they're very worried about gaining weight. And losing that fitness. And so they start to restrict their diet. And what you're going to find is that your injury is not going to heal. Your body needs those nutrients for building blocks to repair and rebuild the damaged tissue or bone or whatever it is. Um, and it, so it's critical that you're eating enough and especially eating enough protein. So, you know, you always want to prioritize fueling, even on off days and even when you're injured.
1: Yeah, I found for me in college when. On my hard days, I like you said, I don't think I ate enough to like fuel the amount of calories I burned that day, but I always made sure to like listen to my body and on my off days I was always ten times more hungry than oh, my yeah. than my normal days and on my easy runs to easy run days yeah. too. I I always ate more on those days than my workout days just because I wasn't as hungry on my hard workout days, or I was just honestly spending more time working out on my hard workout days. So exactly. I didn't Exactly. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about you know, eating another snack because I was busy working out. But I always made sure to just listen to my body and not need to eat a specific amount, like some certain day or whatever. It's just, I think a lot of it is just listening to your body. Totally. And not restricting, not placing any sort of like boundaries on yourself um, in terms of like calories or how many meals you need to be eating. It's just listening to your body and listening to what it wants and what foods it feels best with. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what, that was my takeaway as a runner. Exactly. Um,
2: yeah, absolutely. Your body, like you said already, knows best, and if it's telling you that it needs something, it probably does. So listen to it, and it won't steer you wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you think that like every runner kind of eats differently, or how would like do you think specific diet is best for runners, or is everyone kind of different in that way?
2: Yeah, it's really. Um, It's not. There's no one size fits all fueling plan for runners. I think you can, you know, maybe your teammate eats one way and you eat another way, and you're like, oh my gosh, my teammate's faster. I need to do what they're doing, but you don't know what's really going on with somebody. You don't know if they're properly fueling themselves. You don't know how they're feeling on a daily basis. Maybe they're really struggling with energy or recovery, and you know, maybe their their speed or their good races aren't going to last. And that's really important to remember is there's no way to know if what your teammates doing is right for you. And and typically it's not, you know, everyone's different in what they need. And um, I think it's really important, especially with social media, not to compare yourself to others, because again, you don't really know what's going on for them and how they're feeling. And you know, I always say this too, like, just because you see another runner who's successful doing something doesn't mean that's what you should start doing. Um, The best way, like we've been saying to know is to listen to your body and, you know, eat what you feel is best for yourself, because everyone's going to be totally different.
1: Yeah, and I find it's a lot of trial and error, at least in my own personal experience, like some foods just don't react as well, you know, to me as it does to other people. Like, chickpeas although I eat them too much they like make me insanely bloated so right. I can't eat that even though I know it's like a super healthy food maybe I'm gonna limit those a little bit because it kind of makes me feel bad sure um and yeah it's it's just so different for everyone and it's a lot of trial and error to which foods make you feel good so I would Absolutely. I just recommend people eating a wide variety of things and seeing how it makes them feel and kind of go from there exactly. Again, I'm I'm not a dietitian, but this is just coming from. Personal you got it down
2: though. Yeah. Just eating variety and, uh, you know, finding what works best for you for sure.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So the last question I'm going to ask is if you could give one piece of advice to runners, what would it be?
2: Oh gosh. One piece <laughs> of advice. Um, I would say don't underestimate the power of, fueling properly. I think a lot of people say, Oh, it's not a big deal if I don't eat enough today, or Oh, I guess I don't really need to eat this many carbs today. And over time, like, like I've said, that can kind of be a slippery slope and lead to poor relationships with food or under fueling that have long term health impacts. And so, you know, on the other end of that, um, for me, personally, learning how to properly fuel myself helped me go from a walk-on to an All-American because I really focused on what I was doing and how I could be better. And I think a lot of people tend to think there are other things that are more important to focus on. And um, a lot of people never look at their nutrition. And I think that's just kind of a hidden, uh, it's like a secret tool, but it shouldn't be, um, that can really impact your performance. So I guess I would just say, don't underestimate the power of fueling well.
1: Food is fuel, baby. Oh, yeah. Food is fuel. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is, I think yeah. this is really helpful to a lot of the people listening. Where can people find you on social media or how can they get in contact?
2: Fueling underscore forward. And then my own personal Instagram is Mads Alm 12. And that's just me running with Team Boss. And then I've got the nutrition one. So a couple places. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure people want to follow your journey too, (laughs) as a pro runner. Um, that's super exciting. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, Thank you so
2: much for having me. This was great.
1: Of course. (laughs) So as a tradition, I always make my guests say peace out fellas. So can we get a good old (laughs) peace out fellas for the podcast? You got it. Peace out fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of convos over cold brew. It cut out a little bit at the end when she was um, talking about her Instagram handles, but it's just at fueling underscore forward on Instagram. This week's supporter shout out is Christiana. Thank you so much, my friend, for supporting the podcast. It means a lot to me. I give a shout out to one of my supporters in each episode and it's super easy to go and support. It's just through the anchor platform. The link is in the show notes and you can do 99 cents a month, 4.99 and 9.99, I believe. And it helps me out a lot just to keep this podcast going, and it just means a lot to me. Also, another way to support the podcast is by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear you guys' feedback, and it just helps grow the podcast super organically. And yeah, I hope you guys got something out of this episode. I know I sure did, just kind of reiterating the importance of fueling as a runner, especially female runners. So. Make sure to go check out Maddie on Instagram, and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas.